0: Hi, guys, and welcome back to Shelf Impactors Podcast. This is episode number nine. It's a slightly longer episode than normal, which I recorded with Lisa Hastings. Lisa and I discuss the extremely topical subject right now of mindfulness. So, to give you a bit of a background, the purpose of me setting up this podcast originally at Shelf Impactors was to serve as a vehicle for me to discuss subjects and areas around the areas of branding, and packaging design, with the intended audience being those working with or alongside the industry, be it brand owners, brand developers, or creatives. Um, This particular podcast opens up that arena even further to include anyone that has an interest in just improving their overall well-being. So it's not just uh, a creative industry topic, it's something that touches each and every one of us uh, in one way or another. Today's subject is something which I believe uh, everyone should invest time to learn about. Um, Being quite frank and honest, I'm relatively new to this space and uh, thoroughly enjoying my journey of educating myself to be more consciously aware of my surroundings and uh, those around me. So effectively what I'm doing is I'm pushing aside my scepticism of my old ways of thinking in order to be a better person and ultimately lead uh, a healthier more fulfilling professional and personal life so the past the podcast that you're about to hear is focused on mindfulness and it's structured around the title of five top tips to a more mindful approach to your lifestyle to improve your creative output so without further ado here it is
1: How how you doing? I'm super well. How about
0: yourself? Oh very well. Very hot and sweaty. So we're recording this in the UK and it is intensely hot. I think we're what is this? It's Sunday evening. It's thirty degrees outside. Um, this is in the middle of London. Lees is in Leeds. It's in Leeds which...
1: but it's, it's still twenty eight degrees. So look, um. we're practically Australian, so it's <laughs> <stick> with it. <laughs>
0: well, it's definitely rather hot. Um so yeah things have been fantastic um how have you been since our last podcast which we were talking on the subject of the free from category
1: which doesn't seem as far long ago as it actually was but um because things have been super busy um but all good
0: oh fantastic and now have you learned any more since on that as how's the free from um arena been changing well- in your eyes as far as you can see
1: I was already completely all over free from, needing to be full of. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our clients recently as well, like we've been doing a lot of work in brands that hit this category mm-hmm. and, and them to not be, not see it as a negative. So, not see free from as being missing out. Yeah. Um, and leaps and bounds, like, you know, the amount of things that we're still putting vegan labels on. And yeah. people are now just demanding it rather than it being, it's an alternative. Coffee shops and things like that. The UK is now coming on in leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah, we've noticed the same actually. One of our biggest clients, um, they're free from category. Again, they they keep sending us more products to be branded up for their free from aisles. So um, we know that it's certainly growing as far as they're concerned. And so- Just need to
1: get them to change the name of the aisle. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Not missing anything, the name of. All right then, so the subject for our podcast moving forward, this one is mindfulness um now it's a, a subject is out then. <laughs> yeah well it's a subject it's quite close to both of us i think and uh, i think as we all know the term mindfulness is being used massively everywhere and a lot of people sort of uh, seem to be talking about it certainly within uh in and around the london area and i know that from our conversations recently you've uh, um been doing a lot of widening about it and it's certainly become quite a big part of your life um so before i Before we get into the the meat of mindfulness, um, give me a little bit of sort of thoughts about what your interpretation of the word mindfulness means and how it's affecting you as far as what you do and how you go about your own sort of personal work life.
1: And we should probably do a bit of, I think really what touched in on the topic and what got us to do this podcast and sparked was just a general chit chat we were having, wasn't it, about Mm. someone coming into the studio you were working in um, to do a talk on mindfulness and quite a lot of people shrugging their shoulders going, oh mindfulness okay so there is still a bit of a stigma and we might say it's mainstream and it's normal and it's an everyday word but I think definitely based on that if people are going into creative agencies the people who were meant to be open to anything and yet people go I'm here to talk about mindfulness and everyone goes oh okay then there is still a stigma or there's a misunderstanding or anything of what it is and I can't say I'm an absolute you know a wizard or anything like that or knew loads about it and um, which is why it's good because when we do these little tasks and challenges with our podcast, it kind of gets you to find out a bit more. Um, but I would say a really good summary that came from the Harvest Business, Harvard Business Review was the process of actively noticing new things. Mindfulness is actively noticing new things. You go, okay. But why? Uh, because it, you, you have to be in the present, the here and now to notice new things. You can't be thinking about the future or thinking about the past, yeah. you have to be aware. And
0: so that was a really good summary for me. Yeah, really like that. Really like that. I, interesting enough, I had a definition that was sort of run by me the other day, uh, again, asking some of my sort of work colleagues at the moment, sort of, what, what, what does mindfulness mean to you? And they all, in summary, were basically, they saw it as um, conscious awareness of uh, their surroundings. Um, but an article that I was reading um, by... Uh, a lady who I'd never heard of before but her name is uh, Millie O'Brien her definition was to so she suggests that to in to think about mindfulness you need to think about the opposite of that and that's mindlessness yeah so let's say driving your car somewhere and you arrive at a destination only to realize that you remember nothing about your journey (laughs) or maybe even uh, starting to eat a packet of crisps and then suddenly noticing that you've Uh, got an empty packet of crisps in your hand and you think how did I get here so that's mindlessness so mindfulness is making yourself fully conscious of what's happening in those periods of time uh, which I thought was brilliant so think it's really easy to then suddenly think right I know what it is mindlessness what is the total opposite so
1: take that down to that is you don't realize that you are mindlessness is when you're multitasking isn't it because yes. you you're eating your dinner and you're watching tv and you're trying to read an article
0: you're mm. checking
1: your phone that's mindlessness so obviously mindfulness means just do one thing at a time
0: yeah well and actually another definition uh, or not definition is more of a description from the same lady she talks about slipping into autopilot and she suggests that research is showing that the average person is in autopilot 47 percent of the time um, where attention is absorbed uh, in our sort of wandering minds when we're really not present in our own lives. So it's a long time, isn't it? If you think almost half of, half of your life, half of your day is on autopilot. Um, it's a long time to be sort of drifting through yep. your life and thinking, you know what, I should be concentrating now and being fully aware of what's happening around me. Yep. Wow. Yeah, there's a big number. It's big numbers. and I love those definitions, though. Um, it just really makes you think about as you said when people start talking about mindfulness what the hell are we talking about here and it's a subject which has been around i think for generations and it some people see mindfulness as um, meditation uh, we did a bit of a
1: brainstorm i did get my team enough i'll include a picture that you can include in the show notes if you want of yeah. the little sticky notes that we put all over the wall at work as to what mindfulness was and it came down to there was all sorts like you say this meditation is the obvious one but there was also whatever induces that meditation like you don't necessarily have to be sitting there in a room with flowery pants on to meditate you could be walking at the top of a mountain you could be just sitting there with a pencil in your hand and scribbling away or you could be some for some people it's cooking but it's that I'm solely focused on what I'm doing here right now not a thousand other things so like you know meditation yoga no technology yeah. even just daydreaming or reading or whatever it is you can still do it focused on only
0: that yeah i i, I agree it's no longer that sort of wishy washy um airy fairy stuff people are now fully aware that we've got to make sure that we are looking after ourselves mentally and respecting ourselves and don't get me wrong, I've been in the past very much one of these people that sort of switched off to everything and everything has to be quite robotic and systemized and processed um, in order to sort of function properly. But yeah. I, I'm starting to recognise that from a, on a personal level, I need to be just be a bit more aware of my surroundings and pretty much like respect myself, respect myself, which in turn also means respecting the, all those around me. So, yeah, mindfulness... Uh, is is taking many forms in my own head and listening to other people tell me what they think mindfulness is really helps i think
1: oh definitely i'm definitely not uh, i'm still learning certain elements of it cuz like you say you just go through life just 110 miles an hour yeah. but i do think as you get a little bit older or you go through different experiences or and everyone's different cuz we all go through different experiences but i think as you get older you start to feel more comfortable about in- including mindfulness cuz you feel more comfortable with who you are
0: yeah I totally agree so this i um we had a little sort of chat before this conversation uh, today, and i have uh, we've i've written down a list of sort of five key areas that I think uh, we can sort of discuss really uh, or have a sort of wider conversation about, which are i 've termed as top tips uh, for a more mindful approach to our lifestyle to improve our yeah. creative output. So, um, all in the, all, in the realm sort of respecting ourselves. So, the first one of that list is sleep. So, just to give you a brief background um, to why I put sleep on here is I've just finished uh, an audiobook, which I've also got the hardback in front of me here, um, a book by Matty Walker called Why We Sleep, which I highly recommend reading. It's it's hugely inspirational in terms of understanding why in fact we do sleep, what um, the reason is for us taking steps in order to make our sleep and the way we sleep and the, uh, and the times at which we sleep, um, to become a more optimum, hu- optimal human being, to work effectively and to be able to think properly and oh, if, in summary, the book outlines why we need to make sure that we get enough sleep in our lives in order to function properly. Um, so, again, first off, I recommend reading that book. So that's Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. So, Lise that's really good. Like it, I thought you
1: were just say you were listening to a Mister Men book. Or
0: no, well, I do that as well, but that's uh, that's normally only at the weekends and and often with my ten year old son. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's definitely I definitely recommend it. So. Lisa, how what you you obviously have um, your own sort of routines which you probably sort of follow in order to sort of ensure yeah. you get your best amount of sleep. What do you do? Uh, for you your... have
1: started with the hardest one for me because I'm terrible at sleep. You know, I'm terrible at sleep. And it's not that <laughs> I'm bad at sleeping, it's that I'm really bad at saying, go to bed, the day is finished, you can pick it up tomorrow. Yeah. I kind of always want to achieve everything in the day. And so for ages, I had really bad sleep, and yet. Mm-hmm. All of the other topics that we're going to talk about later, all, all are kind of, it all starts with sleep. Because yeah. your next thing you've got on your little list is nutrition. Well, mm. that kind of feeds the sleep and it all works in a harmony. Yeah. But they're all as equally important as each other. Mm. So yeah, the, the sleep for me, I had terrible insomnia um, for quite a long time, a few years ago. And it was all part of it. it came from work stress. And just like I say, wanting to live life at 100 miles an hour, yeah. not, not wanting to just finish the day and go to sleep. Well, I actually go to sleep, I was actually fine and slept really well. I go into bed at 2, 3 in the morning, probably not the most effective. And as much as we might try and defy the you need 6 to 8 hours, yeah. we probably yeah. do need 6 to 8 hours because our brain needs to recover and rest,
0: mm. um, well, just like we do. Interesting head- enough, <laughs> that book, Why We Sleep, um, gives many, many reasons why, in fact, we do need at least eight hours sometimes it suggests some people need eight to nine to ten hours sleep so but <laughs> it, it's, it, the, it's in order to get that sleep you need to understand um what it is that enables you to have a better amount of sleep so it gives um in the book he talks about your sleep window or you, you give yourself an opportunity to sleep so let's say you go to bed at ten o'clock and you set your alarm so you're up at six so there's a an eight-hour sleep opportunity. Now, it's not to say you're going to sleep for the full eight hours. So you may only sleep, let's say, six hours of that. So there'll be two hours perhaps, or within that time, you've got a process in which your mind is turning off a little bit. You might be reading a little bit before you turn the lights out whilst you're in your bedroom. So those sorts of things. So the sleep environment is particularly sort of important as far as um, your the way in which you set up your life before you go to bed. So f- let's say no phones or um, iPads before you go to bed because of these strong blue lights emitted from these things, these screens, which then set up your body to think it's still daylight, which then doesn't allow your body to switch off properly. So your body needs to sort of become accustomed to the fact it's now ready to go to sleep. So you're dimming the lights, no telephones no tv let's say for at least half an hour 45 minutes before you actually lie down in bed reading a book is often good and often advised but it's that quiet time
1: yeah yeah you have to work out what works for you and what helps you sleep i think and um it's really interesting because we've actually got one of my clients in my studio at the minute is a bedding client so i've been working quite a lot on consumer trends around sleep and around you know, needing to go to bed and putting the day to bed. I suppose, yeah. kind of, um, and like you say, even just having that regular time to go to bed, mm. a regular time to go to sleep, it becomes a habit. We know that habits; the more you do them, it becomes yeah. a natural thing, and and it and it really helps all that. Yeah, uh, for me, Headspace sorted. Well, not sorted my insomnia, but it certainly solves a problem more often than not. Like I had the Headspace app, which again is yeah. an app for mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That people were, people always do that when you need to go to bed and sleep. Why don't you have a cup of tea or a nice, calming bath? And you go, It's not that's not the problem for me, yeah. like I can sleep when I get there. Well, it's many different
0: people, it works in different ways. So, at least I, I'm aware of Headspace a little bit, but just for the purpose of people who may not know, uh, what what is um, Headspace? You say it's an app, what is it you yeah, do with the app?
1: You can use on your phone, um, and it's just a series of miniature meditations. Mm-hmm. Are supported by animations as well of which the animator is really cool mm. Andy Pemblebury does the bo- voicing for it mm-hmm. so it's not your traditional listen to whale music and sit in a meditative state yeah. but it talks you into a state of being where it makes you more aware of your breathing um, there's different ones so there's actually ones to wake you up as well as ones mm. to help you sleep and relax and when you kind of, I'll I've, I've be honest I've never heard the end of one and they go between 10 and 20 minutes and I've never been able, I always put one on when I go to bed if I'm struggling to go to sleep, and yeah. I've never at the end. So whatever it is that they manage to do, whatever mind state they put me in, it works.
0: So this is a, it's a form of guided meditation, is that right? Where people are actually sort of talking you through how, how, to, th- how to think in, in order to get your brain in that sort of right yeah. space, right?
1: Yeah, they do talk you through a few of them. There are also quite a lot of silences in it as well, though, and it's mm. sort of, so teaches you which is why it teaches you mindfulness in the process of it is that there are a lot of silences where rather than try and feel the silences it, you become they just become natural quiet
0: yeah so and even if-
1: though, even as an app it has daytime ones as well to help you focus so if I, i've actually started now also listening to some of them in the morning so there are ones that are focused for the day or achieve like sports competitions or if you can dealing with certain things to do with busy lives or burnt out or Exhausted, but there's also need more focus ones. Mm. And it starts off as a bit of a guided. Often it's about visualization, and it will show you a little animation on it as well to support it. But it makes it less of a stigma. For me, it didn't. It I didn't watch the animations and go, yeah. oh, this is mindfulness. <laughs> I watched the animations and thought these are really cool. These um, are great. I I know.
0: Oh, we we'll have to uh, get people get problems onto that. What we'll do as well is in the show big notes big or people will link to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, it's quite a common one now, but it, it's a free app initially. You can then pay a subscription further on, but I did it for a year before, but now I do subscribe to it, and I've started mm-hmm. using it more times than just to sleep. But it's a, it, it's good for all sorts of things, but in terms of the sleep one, yeah. it just, in a state of mind, every night you're going to bed going, I'm not going to sleep, or I don't want to go to bed, you start to look forward to going to bed so you can actually tune out with that little yeah. headspace.
0: And the other thing I wanted to just uh, tick off the sleep before we move on to the next subject was um, trying to reduce the amount of stimulants that we're taking. So I think as busy individuals in sort of professional lives and our professional environments, uh, we will unfortunately have uh, coffee and a large amounts of caffeine throughout the day. Not necessarily we, we we will, but we we all do. But certainly uh, the majority of people I know said a lot of people sort of surviving on three or four cups of coffee in the day. I know that with myself, I take something to, I exercise first thing in the morning, and part of that exercise process sometimes involves taking um, uh, a pre-workout, which is a sort of quite highly caffeinated um, stimulant, which uh, helps the um, mind, I guess, just before we're about to go into a sort of a strenuous form of exercise. But it does, unfortunately, sort of, if you take that, those sort of products late at night... Or even early in the evening they can still affect your mind and keep your mind ticking over until even when you're about to go to bed so removing caffeine uh, or at least reducing it somewhat does help the process of sleep have you found that Liz? i know that you had went through a bit of a week where you cut out your caffeine how did that go
1: i'm completely decaf now completely
0: oh well done um, how I are you finding having,
1: that i was having three or four a day um and yeah, you do. Like you, it just becomes I like the taste of coffee. No. So it was more that for me. But I didn't realise probably quite how much I was consuming and I was I wasn't sleeping well anyway. And I was just generally starting to feel a little bit rubbish, dry skin and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. I'd cut out, you know, from me being kind of adapted paleo eater. It was like, okay, what else? Do I have to give up? Because I genuinely don't feel well. Why, what's the matter? And coffee was the one thing. Mm. that I've probably not given up for a long time, and I probably should have tried that sooner. And I oh. sleep a lot now. Well, I dream a lot more, so I actually look forward to going to bed because I dream a lot. <laughs> not always good, but um, definitely more fun than just zonking out and then waking back up again. Uh, I tried. I'm an all or nothing, so I did it for a month. Slept better, skins better, generally feeling better, good enough reason to not go back to it. I did have one the other day because Starbucks, sorry to endorse Starbucks, but they'd run out of decaf. And it was luckily the morning. And I tell you, I had the best workout ever. <laughs> so a little bit like yourself, you can see why it is a stimulant. Yeah. And I would, yeah. say, I would have one from time to time. But it definitely, well, it's dopamine, isn't it? So it kind of induces those happy chemicals in your brain to yeah. make everything yeah. easier and stimulated yeah so i would i know there's no way we're going to convince people to go decaf and i would never want to but i guess it's just makes you aware if you stop doing something for a while it makes you aware of what its effects on you are
0: yeah i think so i think maybe rather than cutting it out completely because people do enjoy their coffee is perhaps suggesting that just be aware that if you take any of these sort of drinks or, or any other stimulants after Let's say three o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to impact on your uh, sleep eventually. So it's a case if you can reduce the amount you're taking and somewhat, at least if you can stop it after three p.m. So at least with just every sleep, now and then, give
1: yourself a break from it. Yeah, well
0: that's it exactly. So locking sleep away just for the moment or, pu- or putting it aside. Let's move on. to, I want to get through this list um, and make yeah, sure well, we don't, don't we don't stay back. on for two hours. Um, You've got-
1: and done sleep
0: last yeah well i think so because sleep is a good one it's, it's very important and the next one i know this uh, it's a big one for you and it's definitely been a big one for me uh in the last few years is nutrition and
1: i think this one's huge for you i think you should definitely run with this one mark
0: oh well, well yeah well so fundamentally <laughs> nutrition we all know that there are certain food groups which um help um the way in which you think and the speed in which you think and the sort of um the way in which you go about your emotions throughout your daily life so if you're eating you have a bad diet you know full well that you will not be functioning physically very well but also mentally um, and those who eat well know that if they're going to have a, a night out be it lots of food and lots of drinking let's say include alcohol and that you know that the next day you're going to feel sluggish now, if you're doing that on a regular basis, you do know it's going to affect you mentally. So from my mind, nutrition is is massively important and maintaining a healthy diet. And I've said this before, and I'll happily say it again. Maintaining a healthy diet is exceptionally important for both your physical well-being as well as your mental well-being. So there are certain food groups we know are going to help with our brains. Uh, and there are certain food groups we know that may not help necessarily. <laughs> Let's say pizza. Pizza is not necessarily going to help... Um, unhealthy pizzas are not going to help the way in which we function but they are good to have every now and again as a sort of a form of a treat but not necessarily eating every day so, so
1: people in my studio would, would, would try and disagree with you there, yes. they're, really, well, yeah, well, they're not good <laughs> some people can function
0: exceptionally well just eating uh, sort of high fatty diets um and some people would know that they don't perform as be- at their best I think so
1: deep down we all i think you and I both know probably because we're a little bit nerds and listen to too many podcasts about yeah. nutrition and fueling your body the right way that yeah. long term, it's not it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, I think so. So as, as part of that, as part of my own um, obsessive routine, as far as what I put in my body, um, I am adamant about doing food preparation on a daily basis to ensure that I know that for the rest of the day, I have all the food that I need to be eating to hand, um, available to me in my bag. Um, So I'm not having to sort of nip over to go and get a a dirty sandwich or a uh, a little takeaway snack, which I know is not gonna sort of help me in my daily life and more in turn, not help me exercise to the point where I want to be able to exercise properly. So food preparation, which I'll tend to do as an example, I will prep my food the night before prepare myself sort of all the meals for the next day so I've got them put away some in Tupperware tubs some in sort of put in plates in the fridge so I know that I've always got meals available Um, and it also means I'm cutting down time in the day whereas and if I come back in late in the evening say from work I know there's a meal there ready for me ready to eat I don't not gonna have to spend the next hour or even three-quarters of an hour prepping the food
1: I remember in Sydney, Mark, really well, that you used to be going down to the Thai next door to say, can I just have steamed vegetables yeah. and I just want chicken? I don't want any of the other stuff that goes with it. I
0: know.
1: One of their little regulars. That's all right. Goes,
0: oh. They used to, to frown upon it and say, well, surely you must want something because that's what we specialise in, producing lovely, tasty food. So I know it's your t- food is very tasty, but I do not want all the rest of the stuff that you put in it. Exactly. And do
1: you know what? You just become known as that that English weird person. Initially, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is kind of awkward, and then you're just cool with it. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly.
0: So healthy diet, food preparation, and hydration. Now, hydration is something that, I, that everyone is fully aware of now, but certainly in this heat that we're experiencing at the moment is keeping ourselves regularly hydrated. If you don't, we know we become slow and sluggish, both physically and we know that we're not thinking on our sort of on our feet properly. So regular hydration is important. I don't have the I mean, everyone everyone is different as far as how many liters and bottles of water you should be drinking a day. I don't know that you have a sort of guidance on that at least, but I will tend to drink as a rough estimate probably probably eight eight pints of water in a day on top yep. of the other liquids. So just to keep myself hydrated. But people some people drink more and advocate drinking more. Some people just drink less just because they're physically not capable of taking any more water. But certainly hydration is important to me. minimum
1: you should have is two litres, definitely. And the minimum is two litres of water. Mm. And I'm a big advocate of having water, not just does tea count as water? Yes. But yep. just try yep. and sip water as well. Um, I went through a phase when I was drinking too much water and it was flushing I was drinking like ridiculous amounts of water, probably like eight liters a day, but it was flushing too much out yeah out of my system things like that so there's even a pit where you can make your insides a bit waterlogged um but the world knows we should be drinking at least two liters a day
0: yes, oh absolutely so um anything any else you want to sort of add to that as far as uh, the nutrition box?
1: I generally, well, like I say, we know way too much about it, so we probably are a little bit nerds about this one. I eat adapted um, paleo, so that doesn't mean I'm a huge meat eater or anything like that, but yeah. I eat organic chicken to get my protein levels up. Uh-huh. Um, I don't eat any dairy. Um, paleo is just natural um, kind of whole foods and things, so fruit, vegetables, pretty much anything in its normal state. No sauces, no rubbish, no dairy. Yeah. Um, I eat a few things outside of that, like sorbet, and I'm slowly just experimenting with adding things in yeah. that, that are, add extra benefits and nutrition and things. Yeah. And I used to eat rubbish, so I've done the drinking four cans of pop a day <laughs> and um, eating all of those pizzas that are apparently really good for you. Um, and because you're kind of skinny and active, then it felt all right, but it wasn't all right. <laughs> so you learn yeah. things, oh, it's actually not that good for me, as nice as it tastes. And I actually love food more than ever now. And I love real food. I'm a bit like you. I, I don't mind preparing food yeah. Um, yeah. and mixing it up a little bit, but mixing it up within the boundaries of what makes you feel OK. Mm. I know for me now there are things that if I eat them, like if I eat an awful lot of dairy, I'll get itchy skin and I'll start feeling really sluggish. So you just don't do it. And you, you have to work out what works for you. If you can tolerate things and you enjoy them, go for it. But you do need certain things to fuel your body. In terms of protein and um, fibre and all of those things, yeah. Figure out what works for you. It's not one one size fits all. It's just a figure out what makes you feel well. If you, I always say, do do try and do thirty days clean and eat really healthily and really yeah. well, and then start introducing things back in, and you'll soon learn which things make you feel rubbish and which ones don't.
0: Yeah, I think in, in summary for that one, I think it's just being mindful about what it is you're eating. So. Understanding what you put in your body helps how you think and how you feel. So being mindful of your Definitely. food consumption helps massively as far as um, how you uh, function throughout the day.
1: Definitely.
0: So Liz, the third point on this list, um, which I know you're a sort of strong advocate for as well, is setting up daily routines.
1: I am and I'm not used to because I've, I've read this one on the list and I'm like yes I think it's important to have a certain amount of routine but I'm terrible at if someone says this if, if you, there's too much routine if you're a creative person you will go mad <laughs> and I think as a creative person you need daily routines and you need a certain structure yeah but you need to be able to mix it up a little bit a because it keeps us fresh and that that is a mindful technique as well I think that yes you need a routine or you need a system of things but you need to be able to flex a little bit yeah. that's yeah. where your creativity comes in if things are always the same you go into robot mode and then you slip into your mindlessness
0: but that allows i think having these routines allows you to effectively and dare i say it, measure progress again and i think i mentioned it before about sort of um what gets measured what gets managed gets measured uh, it's basically if you're Getting the right amount of sleep, eating the right amount of food, understanding what it is you should be doing throughout your day, um, allows you to, um, I guess, function effectively. Is the is the what I'm trying to say. Sleep. Um, I know that if I've got too much on my mind and I haven't got the, my next day set up as far as uh, understanding what the routine is I need to be following, what I should be doing, my sleep yeah. is affected. If I've got it all set up the night before, then right, I know what's gonna be happening. So let's say, as, just as an example, um, my daily routines involve um, obviously morning exercise. And I know that's all done at set times. So I have my meal times, which is sort of generally set around sort of regular format. So I know at what points of the day I'll be eating. Um, I'm also a big list maker, so I create lists um, uh, of what needs to be done, and I know sort of I'll often prioritise those lists as well. And you can call it journaling, actually, in some respects. So I'll also make sure that I've got an idea of what's happened throughout the day, so I know that for the next day, what I didn't do, what needs to be done, what went well, what I perhaps need to sort of improve upon. Um, and then other aspects in terms of daily routines uh, are trying to keep stick to similar. Bed times, I know you touched on it just before actually. He's trying to make sure that you go to bed at the same time every night and yeah. incidentally wake up at the same time every day. Yeah. So, Matthew Walker, just talking again on this book, and it's affected me quite a lot actually. Um, poor Matthew Walker and his, uh, his Why to Sleep book. Um, he does actually recommend that even on weekends when we know we have the opportunity to perhaps, we say we yeah. call it catch up on sleep, his suggestion is try not to, try to stick to the similar sort of wake up times that you have throughout the week and go to bed at the same amount of time. He's not suggesting that we all become these sort of complete robots, but it's just allowing that flexibility in your body and being kind to yourself.
1: Definitely, and like you say, I think we all need a a kind of a, a rough kind of routine that because that that's when we feel better by flexing it a little bit yeah we feel as though we're in control of it yeah, so if you have a different. weekend if you, you're not you stay out all night but you go i can go to bed a little bit later tonight i can do this tonight you allow yourself you allow yourself to play within your routine i suppose yeah. i think it's really important to integrate play but once that becomes the norm then you've broken a routine mm. like for me it was like with the headspace app After a while, I'm a bit like, oh, it becomes routine. I go to bed. I put the Headspace sleep app on. Well, I've started this. Now Headspace has realized, all right, we've got our base. We want more than that. Very good um, business sense. But what else can we give people? So now, rather than get bored of it, there are different ones that I can try. Mm. So it's allowing yourself within a boundary. There's a bit of flexibility. And we have to do that in our workplace anywhere else. Why would people pay us money to be creative thinkers and innovators if, yes, we have a set kind of – hour a set schedule or a set things we have to get done all of those lists lists that we make because we like to achieve things and tick but i think we need a little bit of play within that and that's where our routine comes in it's routine but it allows us within that routine a space to play not play as in be stupid um, just kind of flex a little bit be creative
0: yeah there, there is a balance don't get me wrong you can if you're too set into your routines you can get you almost get to a point where you get frustrated the fact you can't stick to that routine and there in turn affects you so- mentally and you become a little bit stuck in your way and think crikey i've just my some for some reason i can't get to bed at the at um, 11 32 p.m why is this it's really frustrating mm-hmm. me then you get a little bit anxious and then it affects your sleep which in turn perhaps then then affects your the way in which the times in which you're going to be doing things, eating, whatever. So yes, there is an element of you have to be able to, if a change does happen, be able to cope with it mentally.
1: That's the, And that's where mindfulness kind of comes in because I think if you do regularly practice mindfulness or you spend um, time out so you can see timing better, you get a better perspective. Because like yourself, you say you like to um, have certain um, food prep ready for the day ahead and everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, off track. You did forget one morning, and mm-hmm. it and it happens. We all do it. Rather than go, oh my goodness, I can't deal with this and get so stressed and anxious about it. You actually can. Yeah. So it's just a one off. I'll remember tomorrow.
0: Oh, listen, I, I and there's something I'm still trying to teach myself because when I haven't been able to do my food prep for any particular reason, if I come home from work particularly late, and I can't get my food ready for the next day, the thought of having to wander down to um, a sandwich shop and go and get a sandwich, ah. Uh, I, I can't cope with it I, I really struggle and i feel the guilt and the fact cracking i'm now i'm eating foods that i'm not really supposed to be eating i shouldn't be eating so there's an element of
1: you get stress yes stressed.
0: it does and I, i'm still trying to address that so it is that's part of something i'm trying to learn right now is to understand i do not and should not be getting so anxious about the fact that i haven't been able to do my food prep therefore buying a sandwich on one day is not going to kill me no. something that i do find hard to cope with
1: it's a real challenge like again I float in and out of it as well because you do kind of get yourself worked up and I think I do think that doing more mindfulness things or a little bit more snippets of delving in and out of mindfulness will definitely help you with that because I definitely feel like the more I do the more it's helping me cope with the little stresses that things that you don't really need to get stressed about because they're actually not as big a deal as you make out but to you they're a big deal
0: Mm. and at, at certain periods of the day and sometimes if you have haven't had your last couple of meals maybe and you are feeling a little bit hangry sometimes things do matter to you more than they really should uh, and frustrations can can show so,
1: oh, back to the sleep one i'm a terror if i am absolutely tired yeah. then everything becomes
0: stressful absolutely that, like saying it's
1: not really you know it's just because you're tired
0: yeah
1: so it all kind of like we say it all feeds into each other It finds ways and which is where mindfulness again comes back to the forefront you go the more mindfulness you do each of those things will become more of a natural occurrence and less of a big deal.
0: Absolutely, so you'll be
1: able to focus on each of those things more.
0: Mm. Okay, then it, now on to number four of our uh, wonderful list. Top tips um, is and I've bracketed this, bracketed this as research and reading. Yeah, so forming your own opinion by doing uh, wider research and not focusing on just one source of uh, information.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've kind of just, I've just put underneath some of my notes, I've put underneath that research and reading, word just immersion and kind of like making it be curious about things.
0: Yeah, oh, well, that's definitely. it, exactly. And that, that can take any forms. Of, uh, and uh, you uh, you do a lot of this too, is I listen to an awful lot of podcasts and audiobooks. And only because of late, I'm finding that, I'm finding that I do um, a regular commute into London which can take up an hour and a half sometimes um, each way when commuting. And that gives me the perfect opportunity to take on information. And that information comes in the form often of through my headphones, through audiobooks and podcasts. And they can be around many, many subjects. I might pick a subject at the beginning of the week and think I want to learn a lot more about this this week. Um, it's,
1: yeah, I've been listening to one called the Elite Man Podcast, which oh,
0: Tell me about cool. this. Tell me about but, it. it.
1: But the techniques are he interviews people and it, they're all about different things. Some of them are neurologists,
0: mm. Some
1: of them are leading innovators and TED Talk speakers. Yeah. So it's, yeah. not just, it's not really um, gender biased at all. Mm-hmm. He just happens to have called himself the Elite Man podcast. <laughs> but the, even as a podcaster, he interviews different types of people, and some of them are just fascinating their yeah. views on life. Yep. But that commute is brilliant, isn't it? For me, it's when I'm on a treadmill or yeah. occasionally yeah. when I'm commuting and things. But that, to learn about something that is not what you would ever normally know about yes. It, yes. is brilliant.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Giving yourself a wider thinking on subject matter, which wouldn't necessarily normally come across in your daily life, um, and allowing yourself to sort of listen to someone else discuss a, on subjects which wouldn't, you wouldn't normally come across. Um no. And other times there are subjects which you know a lot about and you actually you think you know a lot about and then suddenly you listen to these sort of snippets of information and they're thinking, you know what? This is new information I didn't know about that even existed around this subject matter. And yet I thought I was sort of well-versed in in, in this conversation or uh, this subject. So Yes, uh, there are. Yeah. even normal reading I do enjoy reading a good paperback book and uh, as I said earlier on uh, the audiobooks that I've been sort of suggesting uh, to listen to I also have often have hardbacks as well because it's nice to be able to refer to a book and I think I learn better reading and it allows me to sometimes read a page two or three times sometimes so I can take on the information and I can remember I don't know positions and illustrations within the book and sometimes I'll make notes within the book so I it depends it depends on the subject sometimes it depends on how into it i actually am but so audio audiobooks and podcasts are hugely beneficial but sometimes having a hardback book is uh, is even better um it depends on whether you get space on the if you're standing up in the tube like a sardine yes. you can't really get a book out you t- unless it's stuck directly in front of your face and then it becomes really hard to read <laughs> no
1: it's always good to have a real physical book as well i reckon
0: yes totally so at least I've rattled through that list and I do have a fifth one which I was going to add was mentors. Um, something that I, over the last few years, have found um, massively uh, helpful to me is having people around me who I know um, can help me uh, move forward in different aspects of my life, professional and personal, be it um, training coaches, be it someone at work you know is your manager who you think can give you guidance in order to progress on a professional level um people that you can lean on for advice and support in pretty much anything and it's
1: It's just people that you trust and look up to
0: yeah and they can they can provide you with uh, constructive criticism um to the point where you can take it on board and then sort of develop with it and move forward um i've had um live life coaches in the past business coaches in the past and these people can do become your mentors and as I was talking to you, Lise, just before we set up the podcast about uh, sometimes people you frame as mentors, they can come and go in your life. These aren't people who are going to hang around for the rest of your life um, for the most part. They are people who perhaps just hang around for a few years and they act as pillars in order to help you move forward forward. Um, and some will hang around for a long, long time. Others just sort of are there for sort of a couple of months maybe and just give you sort of, sort of pointers. But something which I, I know I find massively important um, in my life is h- having mentors around me who I know can sort of help me grow and develop and become a, a better individual. I guess you find the same, do you, Liz?
1: Oh, definitely. And I think it is important that you have people around you and it's not so much that you want to be those people. It's just that they encourage you to be a better version of yourself. So um, I always... Aspires to be a better version of myself, not to be better than someone else. Yes. Um, and I think you get that. Like, say, constructive criticism is brilliant. I listened to a lot of podcasts um, and just respect quite a lot by Simon Sinek as a leader. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he definitely has. I've been listening to and reading quite a lot of his things just lately mm. to try and put me in the right headspace to be a better creative director yeah. or, or just a leader rather than rather than a manager. And he has a completely different view to quite a lot of the old school ways mm. um, that I really respect. And I, I kind of look and try and tailor that to me. So again, it's someone even a mentor who I've never even met, but the things that I hear them say and the way they've impacted other people around them really influences. And I really respect people like that right down so, as well as being yeah. your own team. Yeah,
0: well, this is it. And uh, talking about your own team. And uh, again, as you mentioned, being a team leader now, um, yourself as a creative director you also become a mentor to your team um to a certain extent so that's worth remembering that whatever you take on as far as um what you're learning from the people you have to share that knowledge and part of your um being a better person is to allow people to learn from you and to learn from what you can share as far as, from your own experiences i think that's hugely important as well to remember that you are a mentor as well as being mentored
1: definitely and it's and do you know what there's no right or wrong like it's really 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 hard Mm. to be a leader and I've just been through quite a big um time connecting with my team in, in the studio just lately Excellent. because you Excellent. kind of go into it the view of you have to be indestructible yeah. you have to be yeah. this I can solve anything person yeah. and you know what yeah. that's not people aren't like that we're not really like that yeah. another yeah. um Brene Brown as well was also someone who does some fantastic TED talks on vulnerability and I'll include some in my um article that goes with this podcast mm. But she was brilliant. She was shared, her uh, work was shared to me, her TED Talks were shared to me through a DNAD D workshop I did. And um, just brilliantly sort of outlining the fact that, look, for years we're taught that we have to be so brilliant and so good and we are a manager. And do you know what? People respect you a lot more if you're just you. Yeah. And yeah. no one is perfect all of the time and we haven't got all the answers all of the time and it's okay to turn around and go, look right now, I'm not perfect yeah. but I want to be a, a better version of so let's work on it together. Yeah. People follow, and, and a Simon Sinek quote is, people follow people. Yes. They don't necessarily follow practices.
0: Yeah, absolutely so, right.
1: I always get it right. And heck, that is one thing I've been quite open about is I've closed my eyes and jumped a lot of times. And it's not always been the right jump. But do you know what? You, sometimes you have to just take a risk. Yeah. And in terms of leaders and the mentors I personally look up to are ones that would openly go, I've not always got it right. Life hasn't always been perfect. But that, why would you want
0: it to be perfect? Yeah. It's an experience. Yeah, and listen, you, you you learn from your own mistakes, I think, and that's the way, the way in which you, 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 you yourself improve, but you can also help improve other people because you can share those experiences. And I said before, it's a case of the best mentors are those people who've been through adversity themselves and they can share exactly how they got through it and say, listen, it's okay. We've, I've been uh-huh. there and I've made these mistakes and this is, what, this is how I learned from it.
1: Who are your mentors, Mark? Who would you have as your like top line mentors, or who do you really oh, look frankly, up to? You
0: know what? I have quite a few.
1: On the top. <laughs> I have quite
0: a few. Um, there, there are many, many people out there. Some people who um, who have worked with in the past, who uh, I'm still connected to now uh, on a professional level. There are people who um, I follow, as you spoke about before. Actually, these are people who, may, who I don't necessarily know personally, but I've listened to so many of their. Um, podcasts or, or read their books and their authorities in their own right within their own um, categories
1: you can be a mentor and the things that you look for in that person aren't ones that you want to be yourself because we talked a little bit before about people that we've perhaps encountered or worked with that you'd go I definitely don't want to be like them they're still effectively a mentor they're just teaching you a way not to be
0: yes in a strange sort of way you're absolutely right uh, and it's not really something perhaps I've sort of thought about but in, in that ras- that respect is is a, I always sort of I guess in my own mind think a mentor is someone who I um, have always placed at the front and thought right this is someone who I want to be like Yet yeah. you're right on the flip side it's like we said before about mindfulness let's think about the definition of mindfulness what's the opposite mindlessness in terms of being a good mentor do you start to is it a good mentor someone who you think I do not want to be like them or yeah, work I in that way teaches, or that's not the right way to do it, it
1: teaches you something so perhaps those ones are not around for the i guess the ones that have longevity yes. that step in and out are the ones that are probably the more beneficially influencing yes but um, then i think through mindfulness you can learn something from everyone around you good or bad
0: yeah uh, this is it yeah i completely agree as far as that's concerned i think um uh Mindfulness is such a broad subject and it covers so many areas. Uh, and I, we're all learning about it. I'm learning about it all the time. And in the last few years have I been conscious of it. And I think now um, now I'm becoming more aware of it. I'm starting to understand there's more and more I need to learn about it. And um, I was
1: reading the other day that the next thing, so mindfulness is really big right now. Yeah. But just around the corner in Europe that's really big is a thing, a thing called sophrology, I think it's called yeah sophrology which is the european cousin to mindfulness and this is about putting mindfulness for people who struggle to find time for mindfulness (laughs) so even to sniff it it's a waste to integrate it even on shorter periods of time
0: (laughs) okay lice um i think we'll wrap the uh, podcast up there so um five we
1: should for people and just say look All of our nice little things that are integrated, your sleep, nutrition, daily routine, research and reading and mentors, um, the more mindfulness that you get into your life, then I think we'll all feed into all of those topics and those five things. Yes. Um, Yes. But I would definitely encourage people to be mindful, but in your own way.
0: That's a perfect summary. I don't think I need to add any more to that, Liz um we are going to line up the next podcast shortly um if you have anyone listening has any suggestions on what the next subject matter could be um please let us know all right at least thank you very much um thank you once again for your time and we shall be uh, in communication shortly about the next podcast
1: awesome thanks a lot mark always fun